sermon today is, our talk today is on the theme of hope, because hope is the first uh, theme of the, the week of, of the month of Advent. And, uh, oh yeah, one more thing, one more thing before I get to that. Tonight, okay, tonight we have a great service, a great worship service here again with the gathering. We're joining together, joining our worship teams together. We did this a few months ago, and it was just a powerful night. And uh, so if you're able to be here tonight, if you love to sing worship music and Christmas music, and you just love to be able to just spend some time lingering in the presence of God, come out tonight and six o'clock for an hour service, and uh, we're going to just be singing and celebrating and sharing communion again and praying together. So that's tonight uh, for our communion service. All right, enough of that. All right, here's what I want you to do. Turn around and talk to somebody and tell them what's on your agenda this week in preparing for Christmas. What's on your to-do list in getting ready for Christmas? Have you got all your shopping done yet? You got all your baking done? You got all that stuff done? You got all your planning done? Turn around and tell someone what you've got left to do on your list. <clears throat> All right, we can gather back together our attention here. I'd really appreciate that. You guys love to chat with one another. That's exciting. Um, you know, when we talk about hope, when we talk about being hopeful about something, the lights just went off on me. Uh, when we talk about being hopeful, um, we, we anticipate, but we also prepare, Right? Hope includes active preparation. And we all know that December 25th is coming and we have certain traditions that we follow and our plans and, and all the things that we have to do. And that is a very active thing. We don't hope um, for things to come in, and, and not act upon that hope. Um, hope is more than just a feeling. And as Eric pointed out in, in our communion time, in the, in the Advent theme, it's about this season of waiting. And what do you do in the waiting? What do you do in the waiting? How do you prepare for the blessing that God is bringing to us? When we think about the promises of God, when we think of the fulfillment of Jesus coming again and fully implementing the, the, the goodness of his kingdom here on earth, what, do, what, what are we doing to participate in this season of hopeful waiting? 
And so that's what we're focusing on this morning. And, you know, when the, the Bible talks about the story of Christmas, it often goes just a little bit before the, the manger. And it talks about um, a man called John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, all right? And um, they were, their, their mothers were related. And um, John the Baptist was born a few months before Jesus and got very active in ministry in teaching and preaching before Jesus did. Jesus was not until he was 30 years old that he began to actively teach and preach, but John the Baptist was ahead of Jesus. In fact, John the Baptist, not really understanding all that was going on, knew that he was called by God to prepare the way for Messiah. And he had a very specific message about people, what people were supposed to be doing as they were hoping for the Messiah to come. And so we're going to look at that today. John the Baptist, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. And John the Baptist comes from a long tradition of prophetic voices that came to Israel at specific times in their life. Last week we talked uh, in our, in our Q&A about the Old and the New Testament. Someone had asked about the Old and New Testament and what is the difference. And, and you know, the Old Testament is that period before Jesus comes, and, which is thousands of years. And then the, the New Testament is the, is the time of Jesus' arrival and then the, the, the subsequent century, about a little less than a century after Jesus' uh, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. And so what we see in the story of the Bible, if you look at the Bible as a whole, as you look at the, the kind of the, the, the overarching theme of the Bible is one of God coming and rescuing people, rescuing us in our darkness, bringing light into our darkness, bringing, bringing uh, hope in hopeless situations. And that story repeats itself over and over and over again. And you see it in many different ways. And as Eric pointed out earlier, the, probably the most known story or the most celebrated story in, um, in the Jewish religion and one that we remember because Jesus used the story often is the story of the Exodus, the story of Israel being slaves in the land of Egypt. And when they were slaves in Egypt, they cried out to God for, them, for deliverance. And the Lord answered their cry by raising up a man named Moses, who God called to go to, to Egypt and to talk to Pharaoh and try to convince Pharaoh to let these, the, the people of Israel go and be emancipated from slavery in, in, uh, in Egypt. But Pharaoh had no desire to let them go. And in the bondage that they were in, Pharaoh had a huge workforce. Uh, it's estimated that there were over a million Jewish people, and they were simply a workforce. They were the machinery of the, the Egyptian building enterprise, all right? They were involved in, in, uh, in construction, and uh, it was a very prosperous time, and Pharaoh used these people as machinery, and they had to build for him. And when, when he, he decided they weren't working hard enough, he said, not only will you have to build, you have to make your own bricks to build. And so he, he was like a... a 
He, he was a tyrant of a leader, and these people were enslaved and in bondage. But they cried out to God, and in their crying to God, God sent Moses. Now, now Pharaoh didn't really like this. And he said, no, I'm not going to let these people go. And if you know the story, if you've watched the movies, you know, with Charlton Heston and all those people, and, you know, you, you know a little bit about the plagues of, that came and that, that were working it was a preparation time to kind of to get Pharaoh to budge a little bit. But in all of this time, God is also asking the Israelites to prepare their hearts and prepare their homes. You see, because what, what Moses had to tell the people was this is going to happen suddenly. This isn't going to happen. We're going to, we're going to get a chance. We're going to get a window of an opportunity to be able to flee this country. So be ready. Pack your stuff. Get it ready. He even told them on the specific night that it would happen that they should prepare a special meal and they were supposed to prepare extra because they'd have to have food to take on their journey. They have to pack a picnic lunch, right? And so in this story, we see that God invited the cooperation of the Israelite people while God emancipated them through a miraculous way in convincing Pharaoh and by opening the Red Sea and all that story, there was a part for them to play. Now, when John the Baptist comes on the scene, as Eric pointed out earlier, they're in another time like this. They're now not enslaved by Egypt, but they're enslaved by Rome, and they're crying out to God to deliver them once again. And John the Baptist is the one that comes with the message. When he comes and he says to them, I am here to prepare, or to, to, to cry out to you that the Messiah is coming and you need to prepare for his coming. You see, Christmas is a time for us to reflect on the areas in our life <clears throat> and in our world where we feel there is hopelessness where there is darkness, where there is, a, where there is, 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 is a, a sense of bondage. And it's a time for us to cry out to God for deliverance. It's a time for us to pray to him, Lord Jesus, come, like we prayed in communion this morning. Come into our world and deliver us. When we look at the world around us, we see, we, we know that, that we want peace, but all we see is war. When we, we, we want everybody in the world to have provision, but there's so much hunger in the world. There, there, there's so much destruction in the world, and we cry out to God to come and restore this world and to restore the goodness that he has. When we look at a church, when we look at the church of Jesus Christ, we see, maybe we see a season of dryness. Maybe we see a season in, in, of, of, of spiritual uh, deadness. And we cry out, oh, come Holy Spirit and renew us and recharge us and, and refresh us again with your presence. We cry out to the Lord in these times of darkness. When we look at our lives personally, we may be in some forms of bondage. We may be in bondage to pain because of sickness and disease in our body. We may be in bondage because of broken relationships that we're experiencing in our families and in our homes. We may be in bondage to forms of addiction, to debt, to sinful habits, to things that we just can't get free of. And this is the time for us to cry out to the Lord, come, Jesus, and deliver us in this season of brokenness. 
Lakal comes from, from, um, from John the Baptist and from the scripture, the overarching story of the scripture, to cry out to the Lord and he will deliver us. That's the message of hope. But in this season of hope, when we look at our own lives, when we look at our own world, there are actions that we need to take. Hope is not just about, is just not a good feeling. Hope is about taking action. And, and John the Baptist kind of gives us, I want to focus on three words. Seek, repent, and point. Okay? Seek, repent, and point. Seek. We have to seek the answers. We have to seek that hopeful situation. We have, to, we have to intentionally look towards those things. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 11 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. When we need to receive from God this, this, <clears throat> this message of hope, when we look to God for freedom for our world, and we look for God for freedom for our church and for our lives, we need to be uh, intentional about seeking the good things of God. It's not something that, that just happens. We have, to, we have to seek, we have to knock on the door, we have to ask the Lord, we have to go out. You know, the interesting thing about John the Baptist was that he did not, um, he did not make himself easily available to people, right? He wasn't the guy on TV blasting, you know, like, like a television preacher that everybody could watch, you know. He was, you had to go and find him, and he had a message that was drawing people, but, but John was an oddball. He was like a prophet, and he, he chose to live a life out of civilization. So they had to go and find him in the wilderness. So it's like he had to go out into the woods to find John the Baptist, and he dressed funny, and he ate funny, and, but he had a message that was drawing people, and people actually went seeking the answer that John the Baptist had to give to them. And so they had to go. They, they, it was not something passive. It wasn't something that, you know, God just spoke out the answer to their problems in a big, you know, mass message. How many of you got your, your, uh, your alert this week? Wasn't it this, this week we all got our testing of our alert on our phones, you know, that emergency alert? <clears throat> Wouldn't it, be God, wouldn't it be great if God gave us messages like that, you know? Everybody got it at the same time? Nobody had an excuse? God's not like that. Oftentimes we have to participate in, the, in finding the answers to our problems, and we have to seek them. We have to go out into the wilderness places of life and find the answer. John's key message was one of repentance. He would say, repent and be baptized. We're going to have a baptismal service in a couple of weeks, and we have several people that are going to be baptized in water. And if you'd still like to, to be uh, baptized in water, it's not too late to let us know. We'll be happy to put you on the roster. But <clears throat> it was John the Baptist that, that introduced this concept of baptism, where you would actually kind of step out of the crowd. You'd step out of the crowd, and you'd say, yes, I'm going to change my life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to signify that change, that decision in my life by being baptized in water in front of all of these people. Baptism is a public thing. It's something that we do to, 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 as a testimony of our decision to follow Christ. And it's something we do in public. And with that comes this concept of repentance. 
Now, repentance has a, a negative connotation sometimes for people because they think of, you know, the confession booth where you have to, you know, tell all your, your sins and you have to kind of come face to face with your sins. And, and so sometimes we kind of we run from that word repentance. We kind of back off when we hear the message to repent because we think, well, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a negative thing. But we need to think about repentance in the positive light. It's, it's, it's turning to God and being obedient to God for, in the answers to our life because things in our life just aren't working. Recently, I went to, I had my checkup, my annual checkup with my doctor, and, um, and um, I said to him, you know, I'm really feeling tired. I feel tired all the time. I feel tired in the morning. I feel tired in the afternoon. I feel tired at night. You know, I just don't, I, I, there must be something wrong. So, you know, he, he did a couple things. He, uh, he said, well, uh, go get some blood work done. I want to look at your blood. And then he said to me, he says, no, you know, have you ever had a sleep study done, right? Uh, maybe you're not sleeping well, so I'm going to send you for a sleep study. So, well, <clears throat> you know, when, when you go to the doctor and you tell him you've got a problem, and then he gives you an answer and says, you know, here's what I found. I found that in your blood you're deficient in some things and it may mean that you have to, we have to get you on some supplements and things like that. And there's some things that you need to do. You need to change, make some changes. And, you know, he sent me for this sleep study and I did the sleep study and I failed the sleep study. I failed badly. And so they said, well, maybe you should go and get a machine. And so, you know, I could, I could you know, when we, when we know there's something wrong in our life, and God points to us the thing that we can do that can begin to make a change and can make it better, that's not a negative thing, that's a positive step in our life. And we need to stop thinking about repentance as being something. You see, I have to repent of certain things when it comes to what my doctor has recently told me. I have to, I have to change some ways. Maybe I'm going to have to change some of my diet, you know. Maybe I'm going to have to change the way I sleep. And, uh, you know, these things. But these are for my good. They're not to harm me. They're not to embarrass me. They're not to shame me. That's not to point out some deficiency in me. It's the doctor's way of telling me how I can have a better life. And when God puts his finger on things in our life, when, 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 when a message comes like John the Baptist's message, or when God speaks to you in your life, whether it's through a message I might be speaking or someone else may be sharing with you or in your small group or wherever, and God, God says something to you, and it answers the question about what's wrong in your life. You need to repent. You need to repent. And that simply means you need to let go of the way you've been doing things. You need to let go of that thing that God's pointed out. And you need to turn and be obedient to the things he asks of you. That's what repentance is. It's just making a good choice. It's turning your back on the things that have got you into where you're at and making a new choice to follow in God's ways instead of your ways. 
And that's what the Bible is there for, is to teach us God's ways, to show us his ways. Like we read earlier about the law, it's, it's, it, it can't save us, but it certainly can teach us how we can live our life. There's great things in there to teach us how to make good choices for our life. So, Paul, so John said, you need to repent and be baptized, which simply means turning towards the, the right way that God... And, and John says it this way in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. When you repent, when you turn away, you, you become fruitful. Positive things begin to happen. And I'm trusting that these supplements my doctor has put me on and this silly sleep machine that I've got, and, you know, I'm, I'm trusting that, you know, in a, in a few weeks I'll start to feel a bit better, and in a couple months, you know, you just won't be able to hold me down. I'll just be, like, have so much energy. There's fruit in doing the things that are good for us, and there's fruit in following the Lord's will and the Lord's command in our life. And so we need to seek, we need to repent. And then we need to point. John the Baptist came to a point in his ministry, a place in his ministry where he realized that he was no longer the one. He was no longer the one. It came, that realization came to him the day that Jesus walked in while he was speaking. The story in the, in the, in the, in the Bible is that, <clears throat> that, um, that John was teaching and baptizing people in the river, and along came Jesus. And Jesus said to, to John the Baptist, why don't will you baptize me? And John the Baptist realized something in that moment, that his time was done, and that his whole purpose was fulfilled in the coming of Jesus and Jesus stepping into that water and being baptized. Because when Jesus was baptized in that moment, there was a miraculous thing that happened. It says that the heavens opened and there was, there was a dove that appeared and the voice of God spoke, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. It was God's blessing. It was the father's blessing on the son. And it was in that moment that John the Baptist realized that it wasn't about him at all. It wasn't about him being famous. He he was just a servant of the Lord's to point people to Jesus. And when we recognize what our role is in the kingdom of God, it's really to point people to Jesus. In this time of, of waiting, in this time where we are hopeful for the future, when we think about Jesus coming again and restoring this world to his to, to be to fulfillment of his kingdom promises, our role is to point to him. In John chapter 3, verse 23, it says, uh, at this time John the Baptist was baptizing in Anon near Salem. Because there was plenty of water there, the people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. And a debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan, talking about Jesus, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. By this time, Jesus' disciples are baptizing people as well. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. They're all going to another church, they said. Pastor, what's going on? They're going to another church. John, John said, John, 
John's uh, people said to him, they're all following him now. They're not following you. And John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Our motivation in hopefulness may be when we think about our own issues and we think about the, the, the problems of the world, but really... It's not just about us, it's about the work that Jesus came to do. It's not focusing on us, it's focusing on them. And our role is to point others to Jesus. And, and, and Paul was very, or John was very specific, you're calling John Paul. John was very specific in how we do that. How do we, how do we point people to Jesus? We point to people to Jesus through relationships that we build with people and how we care for them, how we love them, the least among us, the sick, the poor. These are the ways that we legitimately show the love of Jesus to other people. In this season of waiting, we seek God, we repent for ourselves, and then we go and point others to Jesus in this time. And we point by actively living out our faith. Now, for John, his time abruptly came to an end. He was thrown into prison, and while he was in prison, he was beheaded, and, he was, and, and his, his life just came to an end in that season. And, and John the Baptist had this sense and this, this realization that his season was done, but it was time for Jesus to be glorified. I must, he must become greater and greater, John said. I must become less and less. He was really predicting his own death. So when we think about this season of hope, the season of Christmas, it's more than a feeling. Hope is an action. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an active word. Just like the, the Israelites had to prepare for, for getting out of Egypt before, by preparing the Passover meal before the Exodus. And just like John's message was one of baptism, getting ready, we need to, to live into hope. We need to actually be hopeful, not just in the way we think. Hope is not just around sitting, good, sitting around thinking good thoughts or having positive thoughts or saying positive things. Hope is action that goes beyond that. So what does it look like in this season of Christmas for us to be intentional in seeking God? What does it look like for you? What, what plans? I asked you at the beginning of the message to turn around and talk about the things that you need to do in order to prepare for Christmas. But what are you doing to prepare your heart for the coming of Jesus? What are you, what are you actively doing what is something God is inviting you maybe to turn away from? What area of your life is still in darkness? What area of your life is still, uh, is still in, in some kind of bondage, enslaved? What are, you, what are you turning away from? Some habit, some addiction, some toxic relationship, an unhealthy attitude. In, in, when it comes to Christmas time, 
You know, we can so get swept up into the consumerism and we can find ourselves, you know, in bondage to, to the system of this world and spending money and going into debt. And, and um, <clears throat> you know, maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh, it's going to happen all over again. I got to buy gifts for her and him and her and him and her and him and them and them and them. I'm going to be in debt again. I just got out of debt or I'm still in debt. What, what do you need to turn away from? What change do you need to make in your life? Maybe the positive thing that you need to do, maybe the thing you need to turn to is, is being baptized in water. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. And how might you live in such a way that your actions, your words, and your attitude points other people to Jesus? What good are you going to do in this busy time what kindness, what love, what message are you going to deliver to the people around you? Is it going to be one of, of I'm too busy to spend time with you, I don't have time to talk to you, I don't, I, you know, it's so busy this time of year, and, or is it going to be one of, like we talked about over the last few weeks, neighborliness? where you actually take time to talk to your neighbors and talk to your co-workers and, and invest in them and, and, you know, share with them. What, what are action items are you going to take in this season of hopefulness? We have an opportunity as we journey through this season of Advent to actually do some things that can prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus. I prepared something for you. Uh, this is just a really small thing. I, I mean, I know that um, if you have kids, maybe you started some kind of Advent calendar uh, yesterday. You know, the little calendar, the little thing opens, a little chocolate in it, you know. Get old enough, no, nobody gives you chocolates anymore for Advent. <laughs> but you know, in the same kind of way, in a daily moment, in a, in a moment every day, you could take some time to recognize the progress of the coming of Jesus, walking through the Advent season by just opening your Bible, which may be, may be a book that you actually have, a Bible, or maybe it's an app on your phone. You can have all kinds of Bible apps that are available on your phone. You don't need to go out and buy a book. If you've got a, if you've got a, a, a smartphone, you've got a Bible, Okay? And uh, you can get all kinds of free Bibles, Bible Gateway, version, all kinds of things that you can get, and you can have a free Bible, and you can read any, uh, most translations on your phone. So what we've prepared is we've prepared a little calendar. Um, it's a little Advent calendar for you. And you could take time every day this Advent season, beginning today, or you can go back and you could do yesterday's, not hard to catch up to today, and you could just open your Bible and you could read a passage and you could meditate on it, think about it. If you do it in the morning, you've got all day to think about it. You can think about it on your commute to work. You can think about it when you're, when you're, you're, you know, you're eating your lunch. You can think about it whenever you've got some time. You can just ponder it. And the Lord can speak to you. And this Christmas can be a different Christmas if you actually take time to prepare your heart for Christmas. So that's something we've prepared for you and uh, that you can do. You could also come out to the service tonight because it's a great way to start the Advent is to spend some time in worship, 
You can, we, uh, we've got kids program going on tonight, and we're going to have some goodies afterwards if you bring it. Uh, we need you people to bring some, <laughs> uh, some, some goodies uh, after, for afterwards, and we'll be able to share. So, you know, you can do some things. You can, you can adjust your calendar and your life so that, so that you are actually making room to seek and then when the Lord speaks to you, when you're reading, you know, one of these passages and the Lord begins to speak to you and he's, he maybe points something out in your life, you can just obey. You can repent. You can say, yeah, that's just like I said to my doctor. Well, isn't that interesting? I don't have enough iron in my blood. 